G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. There's a growing trend around the world where millions of Christians are being forced to choose between their faith and their freedom. Each year, researchers at Open Doors reveal movements and changes to what they call their world watch list. Persecution of Christians has continued to intensify globally, reaching the highest levels since the list began nearly 30 years ago. The list rates the 50 countries where it's hardest to be a Christian and helps us to understand persecution and be equipped to pray with the persecuted church. Dave Myers from Open Doors is joining us. Dave is the Australian and New Zealand Relationship Manager with Open Doors and across the detail of this year's World Watch List. Dave, a special welcome along to 2020. Neil, so good to be with you. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey Dave, the World Watch List, it gets updated and released around this time each year. So it's at the beginning of the year. And it indicates that there are not only millions, as I mentioned in the introduction there, but hundreds of millions who are facing Mm. high level of persecution. Give us your insights into uh, the overall big picture of this year's World Watch List. Yeah, thanks, Neil. It's uh, actually the 30th anniversary since uh, Open Doors began doing the World Watch List. And... Uh, the reality is, across those 30 years, the story has become more bleak, uh, has become uh, more difficult. Uh, the, the numbers of Christians has only increased over that time who do face high levels of persecution. And so from uh, 30 years ago to today, there were 30 years ago, there were 40 countries that had were listed as high levels of persecution for Christians in those countries. That's now almost doubled to 76 uh, countries. Uh, that's uh, roughly one in seven Christians around the globe. 360 million people face high levels of persecution simply because they are followers of Jesus. Uh, in various places, it's worse. Uh, in um, in Africa, it's one in five Christians. In Asia, it's two in five Christians. And um, one of the, I guess, trends that's come out uh, in this world watch list has been uh, that the levels of persecution are increasing across the board. Um, this year, um, it, all the countries in the top 10 have only increased. Uh, North Korea has been number, number one for almost 20 years. Uh, last year, Afghanistan jumped up into position number one, uh, and that was all off the back of the 2021 takeover by the Taliban in Afghanistan. And um, interestingly, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few weeks once I learnt the new data that had come out. We've been praying a lot for Afghanistan and praying that God would sustain his people in Afghanistan. Uh, and yet Afghanistan has actually dropped from first back down to ninth. Um, now, North Korea has moved up. It's the highest it's ever been as far as persecution levels. And and yet the story with Af- 
Afghanistan is not as if persecution is decreasing. Uh, it's actually that persecution, the Taliban have done a, a very effective job of driving Christianity out, of executing Christians on site, and many Christians have fled. And uh, there is not much left in Afghanistan right now when it comes to a Christian presence. Uh, and so Afghanistan jumping to nine um, uh, doesn't automatically mean it's now all of a sudden easier for Christians to follow Jesus in Afghanistan. Uh, it just means there's not many left. Uh, and uh, there's been a, a general increase across those other eight nations that are now above Afghanistan on the list. So Afghanistan, it's in some sense here, as you say, it's the big mover because while it was jostling at number one position last year, mm-hmm. it's dropped to ninth. And the reason for that is disturbing in itself because it really any is. believer who has been brave or courageous enough to stay has really lived in hiding all of this time because uh, they face execution like uh, in uh, some other nations uh, around the place. But because the numbers there are so few, that's the reason why it's gone down to nine. Uh, The the few numbers who've been able to actually maintain a presence. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. It's... um yeah, it's 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 mind blowing to to even think that, uh, um, yeah, to be a follower of Jesus um, is more or less impossible uh, in uh, many of those top ten countries and in in Afghanistan. Um, those that are still there are very much underground, uh, are very much secret believers, and very much right now. Uh, they need the the prayers of the global church. They need the prayers of the church in Australia, the church in New Zealand. Uh, they need us to ask that God would strengthen them, uh, that God would show mercy to them, uh, that God would enable them to keep trusting Jesus no matter the cost. And that really is the heart of what Open Doors is on about and what we've been on about for almost 70 years uh, is encouraging Christians all over the world, no matter where they are, to keep following Jesus no matter the cost. Uh, so- we know that he's worth it. So strange reasons, you might say, in some sense, why Afghanistan has been taken off that top spot. But what it means is North Korea resumes, number one, the worst persecutor of Christians in the world, uh, the nation of North Korea. Uh, Dave, just how severe is it? And perhaps even as, as they're back at number one, how much worse has it even gotten for Christians who are in North Korea? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, look, as I've been reflecting on and praying over and learning more about what's going on in North Korea, it's it's heartbreaking to know of just the cost of following Jesus in North Korea. And the reality is it has never been more difficult to be a Christian in North Korea than right now. It's the highest. There's kind of a, uh, you can drill down into this on our website, opendoors.org.au. You'll find the world watch list there. Uh, and you can find out even just the rationale on how the persecution scores come about. And it's really um, quite comprehensive data. It's renowned around the world. Uh, It's used by governments to understand what's going on in different nations and so on. And so you can kind of go and drill down into the the details on our website. Uh, but North Korea has its highest ever persecution score. Uh, and the reality is more Christians have been arrested, more underground church, house churches have been discovered, they've been closed. Uh, arrests typically mean execution. Uh, if you're not executed, life in, uh, life in prison in some pretty uh, inhumane uh, camps uh, where political prisoners go. Um, prisoners are starved, uh, they're tortured, they, are, uh, they suffer uh, sexual violence and... 
Um, one of the uh, one of the things I've been reading recently that um, yeah is really quite alarming is the rise of uh, I guess um, there's an enforcement of a new uh, understance called the anti-reactionary thought law, um, which has basically criminalised any published materials of, of foreign origin in North Korea, and that uh, a big target on 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 those thoughts that were published outside of Korea is the Bible. Uh, and so there's been many, um, many people imprisoned. Um, there was even, I was reading, there was a story of, I don't know if you remember that, um, two years ago, there was a South Korean uh, TV show that did the rounds on Netflix, Squid Games. Um, there were some teenage boys who were caught watching Squid Games uh, and were executed. And um, yeah, the, the reality is that it, kind of any of these thoughts that come from outside of North Korea and the regime of North Korea are quickly squashed. Uh, and the Bible, and, and here's the interesting thing, um, open doors, we are on about the Bible. And from our very beginning, when Brother Andrew uh, first crossed the Iron Curtain off the back of World War II, uh, a big part of his mission then was smuggling Bibles across borders and getting the Bible into the hands of uh, persecuted believers and uh, getting Bibles into the hands of persecuted believers continues to be one of the things that Open Doors does. Um, and one of the things we are able to do is get the Bible digitally in various places through various apps and uh, and so on. Uh, and yet, the, the the clampdown in North Korea is is not just a physical Bible that you're caught with any Christian literature, literature, any Christian materials, whether they're printed, whether they're electronic. Um, it is it is a it is a difficult difficult place to be. Um, it's an extreme example, isn't it? Uh, but there is a lesson to learn from what yeah. happens when things get extremely out of control, as they have done in North Korea. And for That's people right. who wonder why Christians are uh, continuing to beat a drum about freedoms, so you've got religious freedom and freedom of association, mm. freedom of conscience, mm. uh, academic mm. freedom, uh, political communication freedom, these sorts of freedoms, without them, uh, you're on a slippery slope and the extreme is what happens in North Korea. And uh, you just don't want That's to right. get onto that. You don't want to get onto that slippery slope, do you? Because uh, that is the example in the world uh, where you lose your freedoms. Uh, that's what happens. That's right. That's right. And and yet the, the remarkable thing is, um, I think the number is, it's, uh, it's 400, it's... 400 to 500,000, I don't have the number right in front of me at the moment, but there's there's almost half a million Christians still in North Korea um, who have zero in the way of freedom. There is a regime that is on about wiping them out. It is the most difficult place to be a Christian, and yet, Neil, we have almost half a million brothers and sisters continuing to trust Jesus in the worst of circumstances and and I think he, and I think this is one of the wonderful things with the persecuted church and learning the stories of our brothers and sisters, whether it's Afghanistan, whether it's North Korea, whether it's Eritrea, where, wherever it is, is we have brothers and sisters who don't have freedoms, who don't enjoy some of the privileges that perhaps we might get to enjoy uh, here in Australia, uh, and yet they hold fast and keep trusting Jesus. And I think that their stories can become. Uh, you know, stories that ought to move us to pray, um, but also stories that ought to move us to consider what does it look like for us to follow Jesus no matter the cost where we are. And, you know, there's there's, there's lots of questions at the moment about, uh, you know, religious freedom in the West and religious freedom here in Australia and, and eroding of freedoms that perhaps we have just been very familiar with for 
you know, the last 50 years here in Australia, are they eroding? One, they're nowhere near uh, the same levels of restriction of freedom as, as places that are in the, the world watch list. But, but two, even if and when we do feel a squeezing of perhaps some of our freedoms, we have a persecuted church we have a persecuted family, brothers and sisters all over the world that actually can teach us what does it look like to keep trusting Jesus even when you lose everything, when you've got nothing left but Jesus. You've even had your Bible confiscated and yet you've, you're still holding on to the message of Christ, of who he is, of what he has done in his life, in his death, in his resurrection and the hope that is ours through him who will one day return uh, and make all things new. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, every year, Open Doors releases its World Watch list, and the list is those 50 worst persecutors of Christians around the world. And as our special guest, Dave Myers, indicated just a little earlier in our conversation, the number is actually over 70 of nations that actually persecute Christians. The World Watch list has the the top 50. Uh, It's backed by real research. And when we talk about 360 million believers around the world who are in under high levels of persecution. It gets our attention and uh, we wonder about what we can do about that here as Aussies. Uh, Dave, uh, just prompted this just before the break. Uh, if we're coming back to this just for a moment, and it's not about a guilt trip on people, I wouldn't think. Uh, but here we are in Australia in relative freedom, certainly compared to some of these nations in the top 10, maybe the top 50. Um, We've got this freedom. Uh, We're actually a prosperous, wealthy nation, and there are nations where Christians are, in fact, denied uh, employment or benefits or even health care. What sort of things ought we have as part of our own heartbeat, do you think, when it comes to being in solidarity with believers uh, beyond our borders? Yeah, that's a fantastic question, Neil. I think that um, all Christians have a responsibility to all Christians. (laughs) Um, We are one body. That's a big uh, value of Open Doors is we are one body. And I was in in Egypt last year on a field trip visiting uh, persecuted Christians uh, in Egypt. And one of the things I was struck by when we met a leader there is he he made the point that there there aren't two churches. There isn't the persecuted church and the free church. There's the one church. There's the, the one body that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one Lord. He is the, the, the ruler, um, uh, uh, the one who unites us together. We are all one in him. And uh, obviously we have local expressions of being the people of God and we have local congregations. And, and so there's kind of the big C church, all of God's people. Uh, and there's the little C church, our local congregations in our own communities, in our own cities, in our own countries. Uh, and yet I think there is a there is a responsibility. Uh, and we see this in 1 Corinthians 12, that when one part suffers, the whole suffers. Uh, we see in the book of Hebrews, there's kind of that idea uh, in Hebrews 13, where um, uh, the author of that letter um, speaks about how Christians are bound with uh, those who are persecuted. It's as if we're in prison with them. Uh, you know, when one part suffers, the whole suffers. When one part rejoices, the whole rejoices. And so I think all of us have a responsibility. We, we belong to each other. Romans chapter 12, like we, we have a responsibility 
to be conscious of our broader family. Uh, and as you said, I don't think it's that we want to for people to feel guilty uh, uh, as the only response uh, and guilted into some type of response. But, you know, you, when you think of that um, family type language, when a member of your family is going through a hard time, even if you're separated by oceans, uh, even if you're on the other side of the planet, um, a consciousness of what is going on, an awareness of what is going on, I think really matters. And look, for me personally, I've only been working with Open Doors over the last year, and it's such a privilege. I love working with this organization, but I guess I've personally had a relationship with the concept of persecuted Christians for over 20 years, maybe 25 years. I've personally been learning the stories. As a pastor, I've been sharing the stories, and I've been getting encouraged by the stories of, uh, of just the incredible faith of our brothers and sisters who keep trusting Jesus no matter what. And look, I think sometimes we might even feel guilty, even on that guilt idea, we might even feel guilty that we don't suffer as much as they do. And we might feel a little ashamed even that our suffering isn't as bad as theirs. And I don't think that's how we ought to respond. Uh, I, I think we ought to, you know, if, if you imagine levels of suffering, it would be easy to go, uh, well, when I see my persecuted brothers and sisters, and what they're enduring for their faith, it is so much more significant, so much more intense, so much more crippling than what I'm suffering. Therefore, my suffering is nothing. And yet, I don't think that ought to be the response. Yes, they might have an intensity of suffering that perhaps we don't know. But our suffering, whether it's because we're suffering as a Christian, suffering because of the brokenness of the world, or whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, is still real. And so I think there's a, there's a beautiful mutual relationship between the global church. When we learn of our brothers and sisters who are suffering, we pray for them. We pray that God would help them to endure, but we also are to be inspired by them. And so it's not that, hey, my suffering is therefore nothing. It's actually, wow, look at what God has done in helping my brother and sister to keep trusting Jesus in the face of incredible opposition. Lord, thank you for that work you've done in them. Help me to keep going with the thing that I've got going on at my school or in my workplace or in my community. And so we have a responsibility, uh, and yet it's mutually beneficial. We are all built up as we learn each other's stories. You know, in Egypt last year, one of the things I was struck by, and, and I hear this from others who work with Open Doors whenever we go on field trips, the constant request from our persecuted brothers and sisters is not, um, uh, you know, look, we desperately want this persecution to end. Their response is, would you pray for us that we persevere through the suffering? You, you see, suffering and persecution is often a, a hallmark of successful Christianity. Um, open Doors exists not to end persecution. That would be really easy to do as an organization. Like that might sound strange. Most charities and nonprofits are trying to um, end something. We could end uh, Christian suffering by just encouraging Christians to take Jesus less seriously. Hey, you know what? Why don't you just forget about Jesus and, and just become a nominal of whatever the dominant religion in your nation is? Like, we could end suffering, uh, end persecution uh, by encouraging Christians to not take following Jesus so seriously. And yet we want to encourage Christians to press on, to keep being committed to the Great Commission, keep making much of Jesus, to keep lifting up his name, whatever that looks like. Uh, but more than that, to keep trusting in Jesus and that we too will be inspired in our faith as well. You know, one of the um, 
yeah, the constant requests is, will you pray for us? I still remember in Egypt, um, uh, one of my colleagues was grabbed by the arm from a Christian leader we'd spent a few hours with, and, and he, he grabbed him by the arm and he looked him in the eye and said, you'll pray for us, won't you? And it was this imploring him, imploring us to pass that message on to the church in Australia that our brothers and sisters need your prayers. And they are genuinely strengthened to know that we are praying for them. They are genuinely encouraged by them. And God continues to answer those prayers. Uh, as well as um, praying, um, there's, there's, there's many other needs that uh, persecuted Christians have. Uh, you think about a place where you lose your freedom, where you lose your job. Uh, there are financial needs. There are uh, needs for trauma care and counseling, uh, getting Bibles, discipleship, training. Uh, even over the, the COVID period, one of the things that we found is that more and more um, Christians were in need of emergency aid and relief. Uh, in various nations where there's lockdowns and where there's economic hardship and where there's food being rationed or different supplies being given out, um, when identity cards were held out and people would see that this is a Christian who's lining up to get some food, uh, the Christians were turned away. Uh, and so Open Doors even found with various of our partners around uh, the world that providing just the basic necessities of life has been something that Open Doors and organisations like it have been uh, continuing to provide. And Dave Myers, as we reflect on some of the big things that are happening, and this might even be reflective of what's coming this year, uh, I note that in Africa you've got nations like Nigeria. They're coming up to an election uh, not too far off. Uh, thoughts here around where Nigeria sits on your world watch list and some of the effects that have been happening there. Yeah, Nigeria is number six on the 2023 world watch list, which you can download from opendoors.org.au and find out much more information about them. But pretty disturbing things uh, taking place, particularly in the north of Africa and um, Islamic extremism and violence is not new there. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting place. It's um, two, 250 million people. Uh, it's a big population. There's, um, there's some 40 million Bible-believing Anglicans in Nigeria. Like, there's a lot of great Christians. There's, a, there's, there's much about the nation that is actually quite Christian. Uh, and yet there is a very violent um, uh, Islamic uh, extremism where Christians suffer, I think, in the last, uh, the last 12 months. Um, it's a slight increase, but still significant. There's been uh, about four and a half thousand uh, religiously motivated deaths of Christians, uh, up to I think five thousand. Uh, it's increased, and so that's not insignificant. Uh, that's five thousand of our brothers and sisters in Christ that have been um, that have died, that have lost their lives because they're followers of Jesus. And uh, the reality is across. Uh, Africa uh, and in, in various countries in that region, there is uh, there is an increase in uh, the number of um, uh, yeah, like not wanting to um, use unnecessarily um, extreme language, uh, but you know it's been suggested a continent-wide catastrophe is unfolding. Is some of the language that I've read in the reports and some of the research that I've read from from Open Doors and. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's various um, uh, uh, groups in particular that are perpetrators of that uh, persecution and violence, and um, and yeah, governments are struggling to respond 
uh, appropriately and um, yeah Christian communities are being decimated there's killings there's maimings there's rapings there's kidnappings there's uh, um, uh, sexual slavery it's it's horrible uh, there's uh, so much to pray about there and so much that we pray happens as an international community uh, that brings an end to some of the more extreme levels of violence that are taking place uh, both in Nigeria and kind of spreading across uh, I guess particularly West Africa as well. Hey Dave let me take you uh, into something a little deeper and uh, maybe we're putting you to the test here we'll see but interesting isn't it while we're talking about Uh Nigeria and sub-Saharan Africa where the numbers of Christian believers now are estimated to be as high as 500 million a half a billion mm. uh, Christian believers. It's been revival conditions mm. in sub-Saharan Africa. And when you describe all those numbers in mm. Nigeria, what we think of as Christian believers is, wow, isn't that a wonderful big success that there's revival mm. conditions and there are so many who are coming to Christ. And uh, without going into all the detail, there's just not enough leaders uh, to lead the church that's growing at such a rate in sub-Saharan Africa. But what that means, what the consequences of revival are, is the conflict that then results from uh, bumping up against other religious bodies, uh, against communist uh, governments. Uh, Give us some insights here, Dave. We think it's success to see revival, and we don't want that to stop. But at the same time, we've got to deal with the consequences, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. And um, yeah, like close, like even just talking about Nigeria for a bit longer, like uh, almost fifty percent of Nigeria is Christian. I think it's something like a hundred million in a country of about two hundred and twenty million people. Uh, and so there's a lot of Christians there, uh, and there's a lot of followers of Jesus. And we praise God for the the fruit of the gospel of Jesus being made known. Uh, right across Africa. Uh, and yet th- the reality is when we not just look to modern history and to the 21st century and the, and the gospel going forth, the gospel and the message of Jesus as it's spread for the last 2,000 years has regularly upended societies, uh, has regularly kind of clashed with the kingdoms of this world. Um, you know, call, having Christ as the one that I my allegiance is to uh, is a problem in ancient Rome <laughs> uh, is, is a problem throughout various ages and in various places and as you've, you've hinted at there with uh, in, in communist countries and um, obviously in Islamic countries where there's uh, Islamic uh, governments and so on uh, Christianity being on the ascendancy is seen as a threat you know even from the um, from the, 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 the birth narratives of Jesus in, in Matthew 1 and um, Matthew 2 and Luke 1 and 2 and 3 and so on. And, you know, we, we see that even the birth of Jesus uh, brings about a level of um, a threat to Herod and Jesus and Mary and Joseph flee off into exile in Egypt. And the reality is kind of ever since then, um, the message of Christ and followers of Christ will always uh, butt up against uh, various governments and the the job of the christian whatever nation we find ourselves in whatever type of um oppression we uh are confronted with um as we we said earlier on in the previous segment um the reality is there are things that are harder about being a follower of jesus in australia than perhaps there were 30 years ago uh and perhaps those are increasing and so christians everywhere need to work out how do we live for jesus how do we um, live differently because of Jesus, and uh, how do we do that in a way that's at the on the one hand we read this in one Peter is respectful of 
the government, um, you know, and even submits to the government, Romans 13, and, and yet recognises that first and foremost our allegiance is to God and our obedience is to him, even if sometimes that might get us in trouble with the government that we find ourselves in. And, um, yeah, I think we, we ought to pray all the more for um, what's going on across Africa. We ought to pray uh, that God would continue to raise up leaders. Uh, I think one of the things with the African church, again, I'm making a generalization, and so um, there's different pockets in different places. Um, I think in some places there's certain doctrines and certain teachings that actually don't have a robust um, theology of suffering um, that I don't think helps to equip African Christians to keep following Jesus when that persecution comes, uh, when that hardship comes. And I think one of the things our persecuted brothers and sisters ought to teach us, and I think scripture teaches us, um, is what does it look like to have a right understanding of of, of suffering, uh, that there is no promise uh, in the New Testament that life in this uh, age will be marked by zero suffering. It's actually the opposite. Scripture teaches that suffering comes before glory, that the cross comes before the crown. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says that, um, in fact, if anyone wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. The normal Christian life uh, the, the scriptures set us up for is that you'll actually endure suffering because you're a follower of Jesus. And so I think we want to pray that God would strengthen the church in Africa the church in Australia, uh, the church across the globe, that we'd have strong teaching from God's word um, that wouldn't offer um, uh, um, a, a fleeting hope um, that we, but would offer a lasting hope, a hope that is not just in this life, but a hope that is in the life to come. Uh, in and through the, the victory that's been won by Jesus. Hey, Dave, we mentioned there's 50 countries on the yeah. latest World Watch list. Uh, I wonder if we can rattle through fairly quickly the top 10. So for listeners yeah. who are looking for a real context here on the 10 worst persecuting countries in the world when it comes to persecuting Christians, uh, give, us a, give us a top 10 rundown. Or maybe actually, yeah, you know, well, no, actually, we'll, we'll see, we already mentioned number one, and uh, of course, yep. it's got North Korea there. Uh, see if That's you can right. take us from 10 with a countdown through to where the number one position is, so that there's some context for listeners. Yeah, great, great question. Uh, well, again, 50, and so for any listeners who want to read about all of them, please go to opendoors.org.au uh, to read all 50, uh, learn about them, drill down into what's going on, and learn how you can pray for them. But number 10. Um, we have uh, coming out of Africa is uh, Sudan. Um, uh, number nine, uh, as we've mentioned previously, uh, um, we have Afghanistan. Uh, number eight, we have Iran. Number seven, we have Pakistan. Number six, we have, as we've been talking about, Nigeria. Number five is Libya in North Africa. Uh, number four is Eritrea, uh, also in Africa. Uh, number three, we have Yemen uh, in the Middle East. Uh, number two, we have Somalia, and as we've already mentioned, uh, number one, uh, back in that pole position, uh, we have North Korea returning there uh, after uh, Afghanistan um, has dropped back down to number nine. 
Interesting, isn't it, that the nine of the top ten, uh, there are challenging times uh, with Islamist regimes. And uh, we might talk about, you know, other religious movements like Hinduism or Buddhism. Uh, they're also in some of the nations that are above uh, 10, heading up between That's 10 and 20. But, but how significant is it that there are nine out of 10 that are Islamist regime persecution that's happening there dave any thoughts here yeah good yeah good question i think um i think you're right in um suggesting that there is uh, there's still uh, a lot of pressure from uh from different uh religions uh obviously north korea um uh has uh, the, relig- the the state religion which is the worship of the kim family um but beyond that as you said uh, below the 10 in the higher numbers we uh yeah we can certainly read of of hindu uh, persecution we can certainly read of uh, buddhist persecution um uh, we can read of various different ways that um different governments and different dominant religions are the perpetrators of um of violence against Christians, um, yeah, and look, I think the the, the reality is, um, as we um, you know, as we as we think about Islam and as we think about um, uh, the religion of Islam, uh, most of us, if we know Muslims, uh, most of us uh, who perhaps uh, have our children in the same schools as Muslims, who um, uh, might be next door neighbours with Muslims, uh, the majority of Muslims that we will meet around the world. Um, uh, and in our own communities are, are, are kind, um, are, are um, generous people, um, are people that we um, are able to befriend uh, easily and ought to and ought to love them and, um, uh, yeah, build relationships with them. Uh, but the reality is, uh, as we see throughout history, one of the ways that Islam has spread uh, has been through conquering, has been through violence, uh, and so while I don't think the majority of Muslims around the world are necessarily all passionate about holy war and, um, and ruling by conquest, uh, you continue to see uh, that there certainly uh, is a violent streak um, to um, Islamic um, uh, leadership in various parts of the world. Um, the, again, uh, and it's not that every nation is, uh, feel, every one of those top 10 nations or nine of those top 10 nations that every Muslim is out to, to get every Christian, uh, and yet uh, in places where Islam becomes the dominant religion, that uh, is just a fact of history. Uh, that might be politically incorrect to even, incorrect to even uh, suggest that, but that has been a normal pattern um, for Christians, uh, and you can read this in the Quran, for Christians to uh, actually suffer. Um, and, uh, you know, in various places we've seen the call to um, either convert or die, uh, and that continues to be the case. You look at somewhere like Somalia, uh, if you look into the, the World Watch List, you'll see that there's only hundreds of Christians, that's it. We're not quite sure how many, um, uh, but they're all very much underground of a country of almost 17 million there aren't many Christians uh, because you will be killed um, if you're a follower of Jesus. Like they're only secret church, they're only secret believers. Um, you aren't going to the the Christian church on the street corner. You don't have a social media account for your Somalian church. There are literally a handful of Christians, and the number one source of persecution in a place like uh, Somalia and in many places across Africa and the Middle East and even Asia uh, is Islamic oppression. 
Now, there's 50 nations on the world watch list. And there is one, uh, you know, if you're, if you're really uh, geographically uh, competent and uh, aware person, you're probably going to know all of the names. But there's one on there that is a little bit unusual. And it's a nation called Comoros, C-O-M-E-R-O-S. And not too many might have heard of Comoros. Uh, I think it's one you were uh, sort of uh, surprised That's to right. see as well. So uh, give us your insights here into the number 42 nation on the World Watch list. Yeah, uh, that's right. Um, I, I even looked it up the other day to work out how to even say it. It's Comoros is how it was suggested online. Comoros uh, is number two. Uh, is no, number 42. I hadn't heard of the country until I was looking through the list a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there's almost 1 million people that live in Comoros. Uh, it is on the uh, east of Africa, kind of in between uh, Madagascar uh, and Mozambique. It's kind of in between. It's a tiny island. Uh, but there's about a million people there, so it's quite jam-packed with uh, with people, uh, and uh, about just under five thousand uh, Christians are there. Uh, and so again, it's um, uh, I love that the World Watch List teaches me about the world. I did not know that the people of Comoros existed. I, I can't ever remember hearing about this particular country before, and yet it's just made it uh, through this research into the top fifty most dangerous places to be a Christian. Um, and I'm personally really looking forward to um, learning more. Uh, one of the things I do with the World Watch um, is pray through it every year um, and pray through those 50 countries. And I look forward to this year, not just once, not just twice, but multiple times across the year, continuing to bring before God the people of Comoros, in particular um, the Christians, the, the Christians who are there, who are being uh, urged and even forced to quit following Jesus, to begin uh, uh, to, to become Muslim, um, and for those that convert the other way, uh, it is it is a difficult situation for for them uh, in a place like Comoros. Um, uh, yeah, it's. Um, um, you know, I watch. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's something we can all keep learning. When the whenever the Olympics rolls around, and you're watching all of the nations entering into yep. the Olympic stadium, and uh, and you look for uh, you know all sorts of nations, and some of those are new to you, or you need a refresher on what they are, where they are. Well, there's one, Comoros, and it's on the world watch list. So for listeners, and good hint too, there, Dave. If you want to make this a part of your a prayer profile, the things that you do in your prayer routine. You could pick up on a nation around the world that's on the World Watch list and uh, pray for one of those each week of the year. Uh, fabulous stuff. Hey, nation, uh, uh, Dave, where do we get some sort of encouragement from Scripture? Uh, perhaps uh, how we might have a view, an outlook on uh, those nations that are under intense persecution? Is there some way that uh, we can glean some message of hope? Uh, what do you, what yeah. do you think uh, for listeners who are, who are thinking, this is, this is huge, it's bigger than yeah. me, uh, how do I get into praying for this? And uh, I could feel discouraged if I thought there was 360 million people under high levels of persecution. How do we get some encouragement from Scripture? Yeah, that is such a great question. And, and, and that's a really important um, point is uh, when you dig into the world watch list, you ought to feel something in your heart. You ought to feel moved. You ought to feel um, the weight of the suffering of our brothers and sisters around the world who, for no other reason 
but that they are followers of Jesus. They are they are suffering intensely. That ought to move us. That ought to move us to tears. And there certainly are stories that when you hear them, you they're, they're heartbreaking stories. And so our heart should break, absolutely. Um, and I hope that Open Doors helps to break hearts as we share the stories of, of persecuted believers around the world. And yet, um, the, the message of persecution and even the, the mission of, of Open Doors is that there is hope. Um, and there is great hope in Christ. There is great hope in the gospel. And the opportunity to learn these stories of people who would rather suffer um, persecution than deny their Lord and Saviour gives us great courage. Uh, you know, the word encourage means to give courage. We, we ought to be encouraged, given courage as a gift from the persecuted church. I love in um, Hebrews chapter 10, um, you know, Hebrews is written to a bunch of people who were Jewish, who became Christian, and yet uh, suffering is increasing and they're thinking, do we give up on Jesus and go back to our old religion? And the message of Hebrews is, no, don't go back. Jesus is better. Keep going in him. And I love these verses in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Um, the writer says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you when they became Christian, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison. And look, look at this. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. That's wild. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you will need of you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. I just think it's a wonderful picture of here are some people who, when they first heard the message of Jesus, they were willing to suffer all sorts of things. And the encouragement to them now, as the writer of Hebrews writes to them, is keep going, keep enduring. There's a prize to come. There's an eternity to come. And the final book of the Bible, Revelation, is all about... The, the book of Revelation was written in a time of intense Christian persecution at the end of the first century. And the message, you know, we, there's there's so much in Revelation that might even confuse us um, and um, be... Uh, controversial, and yet there's this central message to the book of Revelation that is, whatever you're suffering, whatever you're going through, Jesus wins. He's already won. He's the Lamb who conquered the grave. He's the Lamb who went to the cross. He died in our place. He rose again, and He is victorious. He is alive. He rules and He reigns, and one day He'll return, and so hold on to Him. Be strengthened in Him. Keep trusting Him. And so I think that's what we pray for the persecuted believers around the world, that's what we pray for ourselves, that together, regardless of what comes in this life, whether it's because of persecution, whether it's because of the hardships of life and the brokenness of this world, would we keep trusting Jesus? He's worth following and we ought to endure in him for his glory. And we're not taken by surprise. He's not taken by surprise. Persecution yeah. is nothing new. In fact, uh, you know, just for, uh, for believers listening to our conversation now, Jesus himself was persecuted and executed. That's what the cross was about. Uh, the apostles, those followers of Jesus, the majority of those were executed for their faith. So persecution is nothing new, uh, but it's certainly much bigger and more widespread today. Hey, just a minute or two remaining for our conversation, Dave. Uh, I wonder, open doors. With the world watch list, 
no doubt uh, you'd be looking for a few more friends to mm. lock in and be prayer partners with you, to be financial supporters. Uh, Open Doors is really there to serve the Australian church. Uh, give us some insights here as to ways that you're serving the church and that, that we might be able to respond to. Yeah, really great question. Uh, Open Doors, uh, the we, we, we do fundraising. Uh, we need finances to uh, support persecuted Christians and to uh, enable incredible discipleship, incredible persecution training, uh, com- community work, all sorts of things that are happening all across the globe. And so we certainly, uh, we need uh, ongoing financial support. And so if you're in a position whether as a once-off or whether as an ongoing commitment to be able to serve the persecuted church uh, with the, 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 the money and the resources that you have, uh, we would love uh, to invite you to do that. Uh, likewise, we serve the church in Australia by getting um, these stories and the stories of how God is persevering his people around the globe into your hands so that you learn from them uh, and so that you can pray from them and pray for them. And so opendoors.org.au, you can sign up to our prayer newsletters. We'd love to encourage you to pray. And look, one of the things I even do in my role is um, we, 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 want to, um, we want to help people to see that there's a relationship. It's not just send your money, send your prayers, as important as those things are. There's actually a relationship to be had. And we want, we want pastors, we want churches, we want believers in churches to, to go on a journey with the persecuted church. Um, I personally uh, work with pastors, and, and I want to help them to see that not only can they get a, an Open Doors staff member to come along and speak, we're able to do that. We can't actually get around to all the churches. We can't possibly do that. Uh, and so we want to equip pastors to actually see that the persecuted church is, you know, you can host an Open Doors Sunday, and that's a really, really good thing to do. But one of the things I want pastors to see is it's not just the one-off moment. It's as you see in Scripture... Um, that pattern of suffering, that pattern of persecution, keep pointing it out to your people and actually keep learning the stories of ongoing suffering and ongoing perseverance from the persecuted church around the world and share those stories that that the relationship, and I, I really believe this, that I think the more a church invests in this space, and I'm not talking financially, but kind of heart and prayers, I think the stronger the church will be as disciples. I really think that the persecuted church, our persecuted brothers and sisters, learning their stories, praying for them, knowing of their perseverance is one of, and, and this is my own testimony, is 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 one of the most significant things that ought to spur on our discipleship as we follow Jesus here in Australia. Well, fabulous um, insights. We would love to have a conversation with you if you're a pastor in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let me give the website opendoors.org.au and you'll be able to connect directly to our special guest today, Dave Myers. Yeah. Uh, Dave is the Australian and New Zealand Relationship Manager. And so Dave would love to hear from listeners and uh, leaders today. Dave Myers from Open Doors. The Open Doors website, opendoors.org.au, and you'll find a link there to the World Watch List. Dave, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Uh, Thanks, Neil. Love your work, and, uh, yeah, thanks for this opportunity. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.